Okay, it's May 9th. The time is 1.22 Eastern time, and we're beginning in three, two, one. Hello, beautiful humans, and welcome to another conversation between Ruth and Nick. We thank you for being here and spending the time listening to this. We don't take that lightly. And we're having a conversation today um, about money, a layer two conversation, in fact, and it's a part of the lesson in 3.1, which is called money. So we're having the conversation today about money because Nick has had two parallel interests in the last five years. That is health and money. And in the last year, the two have converged. These two topics have converged um, because we've had the realization about how what a huge impact our understanding of money has on our health. So we, um, yeah, so we're, Nick reached out to me and we wanted to, since he's continuing his study and exploration around the two topics and how they impact each other, um, we wanted to have a conversation about it. And we, if you have questions or feedback or you wanna participate in this conversation in any way, please reach out to us on Slack and we will get back to you immediately. So let's dig in, Nick. Why are we having this conversation today? Sounds good. Thanks everyone for being here. Um, yeah, as Ruth said, I've, uh, I have a fascination with the things that affect me most in my life. And uh, I think um, money and health are both things that uh, I I have to learn about, you know, like one of the quotes in their book is that it doesn't matter in, in a book I read recently was that it doesn't matter what you're interested in Two things that will affect you with certainty in your life are health and money. And so it helps to understand them at a level that allows you to make good choices. So, um, we recently changed the six pillar of health from financial literacy to money. Cause I think money is just a more concise way of saying it. And, you know, we don't say movement literacy, we just say movement. So I think money is an appropriate term. And, um, you know, in my continued sort of research about the, on the topic of money and having conversations, I've come to some recent insights. So I wanted to share them in a layer two conversation with Ruth, uh, hoping that they can benefit some people and hopefully get feedback on, uh, on these thoughts. So, you know, just as a preface, I think money's an incredible and very important tool for humanity, right? It's, um, and it's a double-edged sword because it's a source of, um, immense power and importance, but it's also, it also can be a source of immense suffering and pain. And it's a really big force that directs human behaviors. Um, and so I constantly reevaluate my own relationship with money. You know, how do, how does money affect me? How do I view money? Um, how do others around me think about money and how does money affect their behaviors? And so I think there's a lot of stuff to kind of bite down on there. Um, and so recently, sort of that that curiosity led me to read a book called The Psychology of Money by Morgan Housel. And I highly recommend the book. It's going to be, I've listed it as a layer three resource. Uh, it's 20 chapters. Each, each chapter can be its own, uh, can be read independently. And uh, they're all related to the psychology of money. And actually in 2018, uh, he, he or she, I'm not sure, it's not them reading the audiobook, but um, they wrote an article uh, in 2018 about the 20 flaws, biases, and causes of bad behavior, which arise uh, when people deal with money. So 
if you don't intend to read the book, that article is also listed as a layer three resource and is worth um, worth a read. And so, you know, I think when we talk about being healthy, uh, it has a lot of similarities with what we think of as being wealthy, right? Like being healthy, what does being healthy mean to us personally? What do people think of as being healthy? What do people, what does being wealthy mean to us personally? Because I think it varies widely. It's very subjective. Um, but I think they're both, it's important to have clarity on both those things because that is really what, that understanding is what serves to guide you in your decisions and in your behaviors. So I think the first thing to talk about is the fact that understanding money is very useful, right? Mm -hmm. Like I said, the two topics that impact us all, every human, regardless of whether you're interested in them or not, is health and money. And the reality so is just, we really, yep. I was just going to just say this because like when you were talking about health, healthy and wealthy, my immediate thought was like, I've forsaken one for the other, you know, hmm. like, I don't, I don't know if you'll address this, but like, I was thinking like, well, my mind just goes blank on the money subject, first of all, because I'm like, why do you think, think that is? Why do you think that is? I think it's so, there's so much charge behind money. Yes. Um, it's this, it's so intense that like, personally, I'm like, I hate it. I, Where and does I'm the charge to, come from? For me, for me, the charge comes from this. Um, I am constantly, I constantly feel like in a time where I'm already a little, my nerves are already a little bit on, like on high alert all the time. I'm always constantly getting sold something via a text or a random spam call or, or just like the, the selling tactics, right? Is that like the marketing is such a powerful psychology that I always feel like I'm being sold something and it's so it's so, uh, I don't know how to describe this, but it feels so sneaky that even like our, our emotions, well, our emotions are always being exploited, but like now I get phone calls where it's like, Oh, Hey Ruth, this is Michelle. I've been trying to get in touch with you. <laughs> Call me back so we can talk about how you can eliminate your debt. Or <laughs> I was like, Oh my God, this is, it just keeps getting more and more weird. So I just feel right. protective. And so the, what I wanted to say about the health and the wealth is like many, many years ago, I developed, I just um, inherently started to develop a belief system that I choose health over wealth, right? Like financial wealth. Right. I personally am going to capitalize and my health is going to be my currency in this life. But recently we've had conversations where I don't want that to be the case because if I'm if I have like no resources financially, but I'm healthy, like I can't, I can't help the people I love. I can't invest in bigger projects than just me. So I just wanted to say like the very first impulse I had about wealth and health is that they're exclusive from one another. Like you can't really have both or something. Right. That's my, that's my belief, my misguided belief maybe or something. Yeah. I mean, our beliefs are constantly changing as we change, right? I know that I think for a lot of people, those two things are in conflict, right? Um, I know really wealthy people who are terribly unhealthy and really healthy people who have very little wealth. And if you view health as the currency of your wealth, then you can be wealthy and healthy. But it all comes down to like, how do you define those things? And I think part of the charge comes from the fact that money is very taboo, right? Like we don't learn much about it. It's kind of mysterious. Some people have a shitload of it. Some people have none. And we never talk openly about it. Like exactly. when you say taboo, 
I mean, you don't discuss, like, that is considered, like, one of the biggest faux pas to actually ask openly, like, how much do you, how much money do you make? You know, I mean, like, I, and I've been trying to be a little more, uh, I don't know, aggressive, like, in a certain way, like, to talk about my, like, I don't make this much money or, like, or ask, you know, like, because I'm kind of, like, just doing a social experiment to see how uncomfortable people get. People do not want to disclose anything about their either because they're there's shame involved or something like they're right. ashamed or nervous to say if they're like a bajillionaire. And then you're also ashamed or nervous to say if you're like a, a, a little a little poor church mouse, you know, like you're just yeah. ashamed. It's there's shame and, and emotions. There's energy. And there's judgment. Definitely. There's so much judgment, right? Like you yep. some people assume that if someone has ungodly amounts of money, then they did bad things. Um, yes. or that came at the expense of other people, but you know, others will think that, well, if Elon Musk is the richest person in the world, it's cause he's delivered the most value to the world, right? Those are very different belief systems. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think, you know, when it comes to money, well, my experience has been that my relationship with money has always had a very big impact on my health. Um, and you know, I also realize that our individual perspective and, oh, wait, like how so? Can I have an example of that? How has your relationship with money affected your actual physical health? Yeah, I mean, for a large part of my life, I went through, um, I I was sort of being guided by this idea that when it comes to money, more is better. Therefore, everything, um, you know, money was so important that I was willing to sacrifice my health, right? Healthy versus wealthy, sacrifice my health in the pursuit of money. So like Like sleep, like you would sleep, you would sleep less to make more money. You would, I would work more. I would stress myself about working way more than I, especially when I um, was involved with the clinic, running the clinic. It's like, well, we need to see more patients or else we're not going to be able to pay people to work at the clinic. Um, And hierarchically money was more important. Money was where I derived a lot of my life choices from. Like I would make a decision about a job or how many hours to work um, based on money, not based on like me being happy or health. Health wasn't even a consideration for a long time in my life. Um, And I also witnessed my family go through pretty insane turmoil because of money, because my dad and my mom thought differently about money. And that was a huge wedge in my family. Um, and so I saw that money can literally destroy relationships, destroy families, destroy health. And it's like, well, wh- that's weird. Why does money have such a tight grip on us and, and affect us in these profound ways? Sometimes negative, sometimes positive. Um, and I just find it curious in terms of like, how do other people think of money? Why is money such a weird thing to talk about? Why do so few people understand how money works, including me? So, and, and it starts to make more sense when we realize that like our individual perspective and understanding of money is based on our life experience and everyone has different life experiences. So we by default would all have different understandings and perspectives of money, right? We come from different places in the world, um, have different parents. We're born into different times, different job markets, different countries, different educations. Um, And so we all gain a different understanding and relationship with money based on how our life experience has been. Um, and our perspective can vary wildly, but I think it also just like with health, our perspective can vary wildly, but I think it's really important to have conversations in my opinion, to extract the fundamentals that we should all 
understand at a base level because then through understanding we can make better decisions in our lives right we can make better financial decisions to reach our aspirations um and so yeah i think the lack of understanding and lack of willingness to have conversations about money is what fuels this blind spot that makes us make shitty choices or makes us easily manipulated um and you know like if you have a strong understanding of money um then it doesn't matter how convincing you know jenna is on her phone call um you just can understand that like there's no such thing as a free lunch so if i'm being advertised a free lunch there's something weird with it and it's not of interest to me um and I think just a lot of people stress about money, mostly about not having enough of it. Sometimes about having so much that you need to try and not get it stolen. Either way, it's like this weird source of stress that's common in, in a lot of people's lives, it seems. And I think the cure to that is just better understanding of money and actually having conversations about it, right? Instead of just like making it off limits actually gives it more power to be more scary, mm-hmm. kind of like health. Um, so... Understanding money is useful because whether we want to or not, we have to interact with it. It's a really cool tool that enables us to coordinate civilization wide, but it's also an immense source of stress for some people. So probably worthy of a little bit of time and energy to understand it. Um, I had a conversation with a friend the other day that was really interesting and it was about the idea of enough, right? Like he's a very uh, ambitious entrepreneur. I saw him build the, literally the place I'm in right now, he built it. And I saw him probably take years off his life in the three-year span it took to build this place because of all the issues during COVID. And, you know, we were talking about this notion of like, what is enough? What is enough money? Um, and th- I think that's a really important question we don't often kind of um, spend time with, right? Because if your answer to what is enough how much money do you want to acquire really is, is saying how much is enough money. And if the answer to that is more then you'll, then you're on this perpetual cycle of trying to achieve more money uh, without any really destination or, or concrete aspiration in mind. And so mm-hmm. money ends up driving all of your decisions, all of your behaviors, because the goal is just more, um, you know, we've all heard stories of really rich people that are miserable and because, you know, I think for a lot of uber wealthy people, the billionaires, the goal is just more. There's nothing mm-hmm. there. You know, that is the that is the outcome. And for most of my life, that was my perspective. But I've found much more joy and comfort in reevaluating my perspective of money in terms of like, what is enough for me? And and that that is a question that needs constant reevaluation. Um, and I think one of the biggest things is we fall into this trap of social comparison, right? There's always going to be someone with more money than you. And so if you're instead of answering the question, what is enough for me to feel comfortable in my life with this amount of money, we're always saying, well, that person's got way more. So I should probably get more, right? Like we compare ourselves socially to other people and there's always someone with more money. And so I think that's an easy trap to be, to fall into. And once again, the double-edged sword of like having wealth can be a source of freedom, mm-hmm. right? Because if you don't have to make decisions based on money, right? You don't have to take a job because of the amount of money it makes because you have enough wealth, um, you have freedom. And yet money can also be a source of slavery where we, we do everything in our lives based on the desire for money. So it's like a very, I don't have the answers, but I just find the, the process of inquiry, which everyone I encourage to go through is a very, Mm -hmm. it can tell you a lot about your view of the world, whether you have an abundance mindset or a scarcity mindset. And 
I think the mindset we have about like my perspective that I heard once, and this is my favorite perspective is that money is an IOU from society for value you've delivered, right? You receive money because you gave something to the world and the way the world thanks you is with this IOU that we call money. Yeah. The more people you help, the more money you can make. Now, maybe that's, you know, naive, because obviously it doesn't always work like that. Some of the richest, some of the people who have accumulated massive wealth don't deliver that much value to society, especially with, you know, the financialization of our world where people who make the money just change numbers on a computer. They don't actually help others. They don't actually facilitate value. Um, but if you look at it like that, then your confidence that you can gain the ability to deliver value to others um, is the confidence that you will have enough money. Right. If I feel that I can always do something to help other people, then that means that I will always be able to make enough money, right? As long as my lifestyle isn't extreme. Yeah. And you're talking a lot about clarity. I mean, it seems to me that, um, you know, it, as you're going along and you're asking the question, like, what is enough? You know, I'm, I'm going through my own, like, kind of like life flashing before, before me. And, I have a little bit of a, um, I've never really, I haven't come from wealth in my family, which I think kind of is a good thing, but I've always wanted, you know, like you said, we were, we compare ourselves to compare ourselves to other people. So like when I would see what looked to be something that I, a lifestyle that I wanted, whether it was like, oh my gosh, those are such pretty clothes or shoes or experiences that people were having. And I would think like, I want to I want to have that money. Right. But, but I read this book once by this guy called Steve Taub, I think it's called, was called unhypnosis. And I contacted him after I read the book, he was doing some webinars and I was like, I gotta get, I gotta ask this guy some questions. And it turns out that it was like his sort of initial beginnings down this rabbit hole of being an author and talking about the subject. And we, we talked about like the idea that, the money, like the representation of what it is, it's not that that we really want. It's the feeling that we think we're going to get. So like, let's say you see a Ferrari. Mm -hmm. And I love this because this had, I just had so many aha moments for me after the effect of this. So like when you see somebody that has a Ferrari and I, I remember, cause I was struggling with like, how come I can't like break through fundamentally, I can't break through like to get a job where I make as much money as I want to make. So I too can have these experiences that seem like they're life's greatest experiences when you're in like a flesh suit and you want to have all those sensorial experiences, like the wind in your hair and a convertible, but that's what he, those were the exercises. He was like, well, what is the, what is the feeling that the Ferrari represents to you? Hmm. And then we would go through the exercise, like, well, it means freedom. Well, what could you, what could you do in your life right now to give you the feeling of freedom? Let's say it's going for a barefoot walk in the trees or something, or having the wind in your hair in a different way. Or, and so like, it was like shifting from the concentration on the resource so much as the feeling and how you could get that. And, and subsequently over my life, I realized like, I want the money so I can do those things. But the clarity around, well, I want that experience. So like, let's say it was a really fancy hotel. Like, I just wanted to stay at this beautiful hotel in Santa Fe, New Mexico that had all this like hand tile. It was like so far out of my budget. 
But there was something about having that experience that was important. So I saved the money. I was clear about the experience. I had the clarity to go back to clarity about the experience that I wanted to have. And then I saved the money for it. And then we freaking went. And there was like so many cool things about it. And then you also get the realization that it's also like, I was so happy to come home and eat my own food and my own kitchen and my little kind of like scrappy church mouse lifestyle. And so I think like those experiments, Nikki pop, like really self-awareness and clarity is so important, right. When it comes to like sort of deconstructing what, what is, what is money? What, what is the energy behind it? How, what is our relationship to the effects of it? And like, what, what do you want to do with it? My biggest realization through having conversations with you, because when I applied for this job, one of your questions, which no I've applied for so many different kinds of jobs and never once has anybody ever asked me how much money do you need to make? And I was like, what? This is so crazy. And then I was like a lot in my brain. (laughs) Oh, I make a lot. I think I said something like 60,000, like he's well, first he was asking, the man was asking me what I needed to make. Shouldn't I think bigger than I, you know, shouldn't I reach for this, you know, the moon and fall amongst the stars if it fails? (laughs) And I think I said $60,000 to you. And then you were probably like, uh, that's not going to happen. <laughs> I mean, I, I asked with sincere honesty because I want to know how much, how much value does this person think they can bring, right? Because at right. the end of the day, it's very hard for me to put a price on what someone's going to do, especially if I don't know exactly what they're going to do. Just that they are the right person for this. They are a really good fit. I want to work with this human. What do you want to get paid? Uh, yeah, but and it then was, let's talk about how you can deliver enough value to get paid that. Exactly. So it was so naive because like, I, I did not even think through, I was just like, somebody's asking me, I'm going to say a million dollars. If you asked me like, and I think the very next question was like, how do you think you can, what do you value? Do you think you can bring? And those were such like amazing questions. Cause it's like, well, I don't even know what I'm applying for. So how do I, how could I possibly think I could bring that value to the program? But then the other thing was when we went back and forth in the, in the email and like the application process, we had some really cool conversations that I'd never had around money before. Like, well, what are the ways that you could make that number smaller and still get everything you need and value? It was so awesome. Like I, because we came to all this, like, this understanding, like you were really good about teaching kind of the process of what does it mean? And so I think, I just think that was a really important lesson and so much clarity has, and that was just like another experience in clarity about money. Cause I was like, it's a thing that I want. And I'm going to tell him I want a bajillion dollars, you know, when that wasn't like even the purpose of the question, like you just said, you know? Mm. And yeah, it's, it's funny you talk about you know, Ferraris, it's like, we always think things that will make us happy, expensive things that will make us happy, um, will actually end up making us happy. And like one thing to do is to debrief on an experience, right? You saw this hotel that was expensive, but it was a really cool experience you want to take part of, you know, like I always try and ask myself these questions, like, cause there are things like that in my life too, whether it's like, you know, a nicer car or a cool experience or like treating myself to a, to something that I think is awesome. I've always wanted to do at the end of it. I always ask myself, was it as good as I thought it was and how much of my time would I have to give in order to cover that? And is it worth it? Right? Because a lot of times it's, it, 
in my experience, a lot of times it hasn't given me the joy and fulfillment that I thought it would before <laughs> I bought it. Um, another thing I think is funny is like, I've met a lot of people who are wealthy and you would never know. And I've met a lot of people who are broke or on the limit who you think are rich, right? <laughs> and the idea that wealth comes from not buying the Ferrari. Like that's how you build wealth is you don't buy the, the huge house or the Ferrari. You know, that is the nature of building wealth is that you're, it, it comes through forfeiting, buying all these expensive things that rich looking people buy, but often can't afford. Whereas the wealthy person doesn't buy the things that they might be able to pay for, but they're prioritizing their future self and having more options down the road than having that thing right now. Can I ask a question here, though, because this is something that I hear a lot around money, but like, what is your future self saving for? Like what, like building wealth, like, honestly, like, what is it? What is it? uh, So like, maybe like, what, what are we building wealth for examples? To me, it's freedom. It's like, I want the freedom to do the things I want with the people I want to do them with for as long as I want to do them for. So right. you're built. So when you say building wealth, it's like, okay, so the guy, I, I assume it's a guy, <laughs> the people who build wealth that don't buy the Ferrari now because they're building wealth for the future. Mm-hmm. Okay. So someone like me who hasn't always made the best choices when I've had a significant amount of money in my little pause at the moment. Hold up. Okay. Every choice you make is the best choice you think you should make at that period of time. So there's no, it's like in hindsight, I've made many choices that look bad, but at that period of time, given the information I had, that was the best choice I could make because if it wasn't, I wouldn't have made it. So I think that's an important thing to just be mindful. Okay. So being mindful of that, like not to, not to beat ourselves up for our choices. However, like we're not guaranteed. Like we, we always, for me, I always talk about, I got the gift of another day. Agreed. With be like being mature, like not just like spending it all on um, an experience today, but like a high having a high quality experience today. Like I love food, and I won't hold back on spending money, no matter how little I have, on the quality of food. Now, um, but like so that, or let's say I wanted to have a really nice something, a thing, I would my brain right now, my belief system is I would favor spending money on that now rather than not saying that building, building something for the future isn't important, but why not now and building for the future? Because why do we only save for the future? Because it's the same thing about the idea around retirement. Most people I know that have saved their whole lives, worked hard their whole lives for their retirement, number one, are physically broken and have a mindset that they've practiced for so long that they can't even enjoy their retirement because they're number one diseased, unhealthy, can't move very well, can't travel, can't even really use the wealth that they've built for their so-called future self. So what do you say about that? Because I would say like, spend it all now, bitches. (laughs) Yeah, that's a, that's a really important point, right? Like it, it all boils down to, and I don't think it's like, as cut and dry as we like it to be, right? We love simple things that it's like this or that, black or white. But at the end of the day, it's like everyone has a different valuation of their future versus present, right? Like this whole delay of gratification. Would you rather have one cookie today or two cookies tomorrow? It's like, well, what if I get hit by a bus today? 
Why would what I want to cookies tomorrow? Spread it out? I, I want, want one, one right today. Now. <laughs> I yeah. want one today and tomorrow. So we just have to, it's, it's like a, it's sort of like we all have to make the best decisions based on our perspective of life. How much hope do you have for the future? If you have very little hope for the future, then you spend everything today because the future might not be there and the future is not that exciting. If you have a lot of hope for the future, then maybe having, and it's not about like sacrificing to the limit and living a terrible life so that you can have more and this ephemeral later. I don't think that's the point. Um, and you know, a lot of it boils down to values, right? Like the person who sacrificed their health to be able to retire and have these things, you know, I don't think many of those people look back and say, that was a good choice. I'm glad I'm diseased, but I have these things when I retire. I don't think many of those people would say that. So I think it's more like, what do you prioritize, right? Like, okay, I, I prioritize health. Therefore, I'll probably spend a good amount on food, but I'm not going to buy a giant big screen TV, right? Like that doesn't, that trade-off doesn't work out for me. Not buying the big screen TV means I can buy nice food for longer, even if there's tough times, right? So every single purchase we make is it has a trade-off. What I have today, what I can have this today, which means I can have less tomorrow or I can have less today to have more tomorrow. And it is always so contextual that I think what it boils down to is like, what are what do you value? Because if you know what you value with true conviction and clarity, then the decisions are already basically made for you. It's a much easier trade-off to evaluate if you've already made the biggest decision, which is I value these things. Um, so, cause at the limit, it's really about, about like, would you rather be the miserable, diseased king with all the gold in the world? Or would you rather be a happy, healthy peasant with nothing? Everyone might have a different answer. And there's obviously, that's a continuum, right? But fundamentally, I think most people, when you ask them that, would rather be the peasant with nothing that's happy and healthy. I think the older you are, the more you realize how important health is when you may not have as much of it. Therefore, you're more inclined to say that. Mm -hmm. Whereas some people will say like, well... I want all the gold in the world. I don't care. You know, I can, if I have all the gold in the world, I can pay you to be healthy and happy. It doesn't so, end up working like that though. Right. I mean, like, it I don't doesn't, know. It depends who you ask. Well, it seems like just from my observation about the world around me, when I see people who have inherited money, right. Cause that's another thing that we haven't even really touched on is that people in different generations who have been in the workforce for long periods of time and, and accumulated wealth in our culture. Also, um, I think in the back of their minds have an idea about like what inheriting and sort of passing down as legacy to their children and so on mm -hmm. and so forth. Like they accumulate wealth for those reasons too, to have something to pass on. Right. Then you also see that that accumulation of money it, there, that is power, right? So like I see, a, I see people around me who have um, inherited certain amounts of money that also hold that power over their children's head for like things and services. And, you know, that, right. that, that is that you do are sort of the king of your castle because you hold the ties to a certain amount of inheritance. So there is like that sort of archetypal story around power and money and who you are and status and ego and all that stuff too. Yeah, I agree. I mean, there's so many dynamics around money, right? And it plays yeah. out contextually in so many different scenarios. Um, so, you know, maybe to close things off, I think I tried to think of like principles that I apply in my life related to money. And I only got four, four things that kind of really came to mind as in like, these are things that I, I try my best to embody when it comes to money. 
first one is that, you know, back to enough, like being clear on what enough means for me is very important. And it also requires frequent re-examination. So what is like, I try and constantly re-examine what is enough? Do I have enough? What does enough even mean? So I think that's number one. Number two, a really important principle for me is never risk something I have and need or something I don't have and don't need, right? Like the, most of the people I know that have gotten just burned in terms of investments, sacrifice something that they had and needed, which was like money to be for the future to acquire something they didn't have and didn't need. And they took so much risk that they lost what they had and needed, right? So never risk something I have and need or something I don't have and don't need. That's a, that's, called, a, that's think, called gambling. Right. Yeah. Don't gamble. The best way to win in a casino is to leave as soon as you walk in. I think that's from the <laughs> book and it's like, yeah, put that to heart. Um, maybe, maybe you could take a pass at the live band and do a little dance. Yeah. Yeah, you can appreciate that, but just like don't stay in there because you're not going to win. Um, another one is don't upgrade my life as my wealth increases. Right? Like I think the tendency is, well, I'm making more money, therefore I should buy the nicer car and the nicer house and buy more electronics. It's like if you just peg your style of living to something that you're comfortable with, you're happy with based on what you value, then don't feel the need to upgrade your lifestyle as your wealth accumulates, as your wealth builds. That's, I think, an important one. There's always, the temptation is always there. All the programming society wants you to spend money and for you to think that having these things will make you happy. But it pretty much, at least in my experience, never works out that way. Um, and then the last one, this is a big one, is it is never worth trading my health or my integrity in my relationships for money. Never. It's never worth it. It's never been worth it in my life. And I've done that several times in terms of health. And it's never been worth it at the time. I don't, you know, it was just my value hierarchy. Like having this thing or having more money was more important than health. I didn't even, I was a health professional. So I thought I knew what it was to be healthy and let alone, I, I actually am super unhealthy and don't even know what health is. So mm -hmm. it's never worth trading my health or my integrity or my reputation for money. Never. I have, uh, I have one quick story around trading my reputation for money. That sounds like way more naughty than it's <laughs> but I participated many years ago in this like circle and it was like with my friends and what and and in theory Nick it was like a really great idea and I was like all of me and all of my friends are going to be able to make a big old chunk of money together and it had it seemed like it had all these ideas about collaborating so we were supposed to all put in it was like essentially a little bit of a Ponzi scheme and we would, it was called the dinner table. <laughs> we, would each, start. <laughs> we would, we would put in like, each of us would put in $5,000 and then we would work together. And like one person would get all the money. And I thought it that sounds sounded, like gambling. <laughs> it sounded so innocent. It was like, I would get five of my friends. We would take all the, I didn't have $5,000. I think I took it off my credit card and maybe borrowed in order to do it. Then I put my money in the pot. And then ever all the women put their money in the pot. And then one woman got the money. And then each, the way it was supposed to work out over time, which it, it didn't, was that um, everybody would go through. And if you were leading your dinner table, essentially, you were the person who would receive the money. And then once you got your money and so on and so forth. And so it was supposed to be something really great. But what I found myself doing was calling like people from the past that I 
hadn't talked to in 15 years, who were like people who were very dear to me, but I called under the wrong, I didn't call to say hello. It was like, I called to say hello. And I lost a couple of very dear friends. I was confused because I seemed like I was doing something that was rather innocent that was going to benefit them too. Mm -hmm. But they were like, you don't call one of my friends. We've never spoken to this day. And and first I was hurt, but at the time I was like, just carry on. You're doing the right thing. And she said, you don't call somebody out of the blue and ask them for $5,000 for your like ridiculous Ponzi scheme. And I was like, what did I do? And now, and, re- and, and then that happened with two more friends where like just things went awry, you know? And I was like, oh, it took me a long time to realize that the integrity of who I was and my relationships that that wasn't aligned. And I regret that to this day, you know? Um, yeah. I think so there's those always, are, money always puts lessons in our path. The mm-hmm. question is, is whether we're paying enough attention to actually learn them. And if you do, I, I think a better understanding of money allows you to tune into the lessons more because you can actually speak the language and be like, Oh, I wouldn't have seen that before. But now that I understand mm-hmm. the mechanics of money and I actually have my own thoughts, independent self-sovereign thoughts about what is money to me? What is enough? What do I value in life? Like those things give so much clarity to make sure that, you know, there's always going to be lessons to be learned with money, challenges, all that kind of stuff. But at least if you have some clarity and you put the energy to understand this, this thing at a fundamental level that will affect everyone, regardless of whether you're interested in it or not, it gives you a much better ability to make wise choices or learn from the unwise choices so that you don't keep repeating the same unwise choices over and over. So yeah, that's it. I hope this, I hope it was valuable. I mean, I, I think I'm still, you know, like you can understand something, but being able to explain it concisely and clearly is, is often a much harder task. So Ryan and I are probably going to re re-record our, our layer one conversation about money. Um, and I'm going to keep sort of working on how to, how to, how do we talk about the fundamental things and leave enough freedom so that people can make their own choices about money, but encourage people to think more about how they think of money, how, mm-hmm. what is the status of their relationship with money? How does that change over time? How do we have conversations about money that don't trigger us or make us feel shame or guilt or um, make us feel like we always are being judged or that we are judging others? Like, I, I just think opening up the door to having better conversations about money because how important money is in the world, whether we want it to be important or not, it is. Mm-hmm. And so, um, yeah, I look forward to maybe other nerds doing layer two conversations to talk about their story of how their understanding of money or their relationship with money has evolved over time. So yeah. Yeah. Thanks for listening. Definitely. Everyone. Thanks for listening. We look forward to hearing from you. Yep. Ciao. Ciao for now.